0: Hey everyone, welcome to Simplexity, where we simplify the complexities of life and bring a little curiosity and contemplation to meaningful, sometimes difficult conversations. I'm your host, Alison Stoner. This week we're doing something a little different. Similarly to many of you, I've been spending my days and nights self-educating, reflecting, and having conversations across my family, friend, work, and activism networks regarding racism, Government, society, and the future. My community and I are an eclectic bunch, spanning a full spectrum of opinions, politics, lived experiences, and personal grievances and vendettas that are especially and understandably inflamed by these incendiary matters. With certain colleagues, we exchange conflicting research facts and statistics around systemic barriers for black communities and marginalized and oppressed groups. With some peers, I explore reform versus abolition and the necessity for such measures. There's a group of us stationed around the country who compare mainstream media narratives by state and see how they're so sensationalized you can rarely call it objective journalism. My dad and I have been examining and questioning history, which sends me down a rabbit hole into the development of early civilizations and institutions. My therapist reminds me that these conversations run deep into human psychology, every industry and environment, relationship and beyond. And right now, we're living through a tipping point. Everyone has a different angle and perspective to offer that is deeply real to them our psyches and convictions seek ways to reconfirm our barometer of truth daily. While we unanimously agree on desiring a better world, we seldom see eye to eye on the issues impeding such progress or the methods that would most effectively accomplish the goal. And therein lies a tension so thick that has historically and currently culminated in oppressing people, and then protesting oppression and political division, hate and violence, a fractured nation, I mean, not claiming we were ever whole to be transparent, and so many complex intersectional crises and conditions. Might I add as a small sidebar that one of the driving forces underneath this cataclysmic clash of social and mental constructs is our human gene for storytelling and narrative. If at every moment of our lives we're playing out our unique story of reality, this then intersects with everyone else's narrative simultaneously. How freaking challenging it is to find a solution that could satisfy 8 billion different stories and versions of reality. (laughs) If... there's even one so let's invite a little compassion cooperation and wisdom into this shall we Some people wish to skip straight from centuries-old oppression to peaceful reconciliation overnight, avoiding confrontation, conflict, taking accountability, and everything else in the middle. But we cannot skip the many warranted, natural, messy, sometimes explosive steps that happen before reaching a place of genuine equality and equity, where everyone has been equally heard, respected, and afforded access and opportunity. We didn't get here overnight, we're not going to get there overnight. As a contemplative myself, I pay keen attention to the folks who are not afraid to look inward to process their own role in the ecosystem of change, at the heart level, head level, and hands level, to see with greater honesty how their ideas, choices, and behaviors have been affecting everyone and everything around them, for better and horribly worse. I've had many nights recently of flat-out debilitating shame but I recognize the importance of not staying there and moving through it. I also clue in to folks who can share an aerial view as to how movements and societies tend to morph over time. This can give us a little context for when we're on the ground in the thick of it, so we don't let every individual thing set us off into a spiral or mistake the individual pieces for the whole we are definitely in a period of needing to learn how to quickly course correct as new information comes in. You could call it a time of deflating the ego in order to embrace a more conclusive and complete understanding of reality across the board. Regardless of your quote-unquote side, the country and globe are undergoing a drastic pivot, which demands an expanded consciousness and commitment to deliberate action. Today, I wanted to highlight what some of Simplexity's previous guests have been doing in this period to take strong, heart-centered approaches to educating, standing in truth, and activating people. Gloria Atanmo, CEO and travel blogger, has taken to her online platforms on Instagram at Glow Graphics, that's G-L-O Graphics, as well as theblogabroad.com to craft unifying resources for a quickly growing audience, keyword unifying. Having traveled to more than 70 countries and six continents, her guides and posts are distinctly informed and help define important terminology, events, and concepts, explain why racism didn't end after slavery, discuss how to hold brands accountable, the importance as well as shortcomings of allyship, and so much more. Then there's Shan Boudram, sexologist and author of The Game of Desire, who self-identifies as Dr. Ruth Meets Rihanna. You can find her at Shan Boody, that's B-O-O-D-Y, on IG. As a mixed race woman, she has been candid about her exploration of colorism and the challenge of being asked by companies to speak on the Black experience, and how sex, love, and relationships play into conversations of race and activism. Finally, India Carney, one of the world's greatest singer-songwriter-musicians and Simplexity's first-ever musical guest, who you can follow at India underscore Carney C-A-R-N-E-Y, is using her superpower of music and art to find gratitude, dignity, and determination in a period that could easily lead to hopelessness. When cold facts and sterile news clips only strengthen rage or apathy, her raw voice shines through like a light beam, something so brave and courageous. So, during each of our interviews, we touched on many topics that are more relevant than ever given our pandemic and societal awakening. So, I wanted to revisit a few moments and present some new food for thought as to how they tie into today. Starting with Gloria, in addition to discussing being first-generation Nigerian-American through her comedy skits and the loneliness of deep self-exploration, her experience with hospitalization and traveling as a solo black woman where strangers touch her hair and kids pick up dirt and rub it on her skin to show her it's the same color, we also spoke about the process of turning her dream into a six- and seven-figure business. Knowing that many of us are currently trying to adapt our careers online due to the pandemic and digitalization, we might be realizing we need some help in this undertaking. So I wanted to share this candid snippet about her own journey from first steps to team management and hitting goals, as well as how success surprisingly led her to shift directions. Okay, what you do every day could easily be misinterpreted as just (laughs) writing words on a blog and domain. (laughs) And it requires a lot of personal initiative, um, taking risk. There's a lot of discipline. I want to point out that you are not only a curator, you're not only an artist and storyteller, you're also handling the business side, the pitching, the negotiating, especially in the beginning when you're your entire team. Absolutely. But then later, as you expand, you're Mm. adding people and you have to learn the art of delegation, which I (laughs) am learning right now. Gratefully. Do you want to speak to maybe what it's like handling that business solo and then also as it expands?
1: Yeah. So I think the first point of that is I had to get over my own limiting beliefs that I can't get paid for something that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. So I had this two-year struggle period of really not barely charging anything, if if anything at all. Favor, favor. Oh, my God. Because I, I'm, I'm so glad that I struggled because I think what a lot of people want to skip is the struggle phase. Yeah. I was just listening to a podcast by uh, Jay Shetty. I'm sure mm. you've heard of him. He's amazing. Yes, I have. He was talking about the five uh, stages of like, creation, and it's mm. the the learning, the experimenting, the struggling the implementing, and then the thriving. And everyone mm-hmm. wants to learn and then thrive. Got and we, we miss that middle period. It's right. like, no, we got to struggle a little bit. We got to figure things out. Right. So learning how to pitch myself. I remember the very first time I pitched to a hotel in France. <laughs> Don't remember how poorly I pitched, but it was so bad that the way that they responded was, sorry, we will not be able to help fund your escapades, but Ooh. enjoy. Ooh. Bye. And it was just like, <laughs> So talk about being humbled. I needed that. I ne- wow. Imagine never getting rejected, never being told no. I would, I would right. cruise through life at this level of entitlement and this level of like, oh, gimme, give gimme, give gimme. Give I deserve, yeah. I deserve.
0: But now you're, you're adding people to your team. And yeah.
1: what's the art of delegation like for you? It's a blessing. Um, there was a quote that goes higher slow fire high fast and I think you have to also understand mm. that if someone doesn't fit it's not personal yes. and you need to be able to communicate with them that Oof. you know they're good at their job but they're not good at it for you or they're mm-hmm. just not a fit for you Right. and this idea of like a culture ad like they need to have the same like core values that you do mm-hmm. um, and that was something that I missed starting out I was like oh you're friendly I'm friendly um, and look, you know come on the team Totally. And, <laughs> and I was like wait everyone for the most part is pretty friendly like glow <laughs> you need a Dive a little deeper, yeah, search their yeah. hearts, search their passions, yeah. and also serve as a launching pad. Like when I hire my assistant or my videographer or my retreat photographer, you're not going to be my retreat photographer for the rest of your life. I don't want that to be your end goal. Right, right. So how can I serve as a launching pad to yeah. get you where you eventually want to go? Absolutely. Having that conversation with them early on so I can know how can I best serve them as well mm-hmm. so that I can make them the, the, the contacts that they need and network and on their behalf and yes. put them in a position to also succeed.
0: See, now that part was easier for me than the firing part (laughs) because I thought I want to invest in your future so I'm just going to train you a little longer. You know what? I'm going to continue offering you critical feedback that's constructive Mm. and even help you set up the boundaries you need to set for yourself until, wait, I'm doing your job. Mm. So that has been... I think what I assumed as I built my team would be that if the interview made sense and if the first week felt right, that I would be able to transfer my brain to them and yeah. they would just get it <laughs> and they would know and everything would work out. Right. And, and there have been so many really competent people who, right. like you said, are just simply not the fit. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't do in advance mm. is prepare for the several people who will be good but not right. So I tried to make bigger business launches and moves Hmm. Before that team was framework, yeah, was mm. right where it needed to be. Yeah,
1: and it's all just a that. I confess, I will say that's probably <laughs> the hardest part of entrepreneurship for me right now is mm. delegation and the team management. Yeah, because you could be having like a crappy day, but you need to be on for them. Mm. So like, even if you wake up not feeling like oh, I just don't feel like having that team meeting, they need you, they need you to direct. Yes. so you need to be on for them at least for this hour that the call is happening, and yeah. then you know feel like crap for yourself the rest of the day.
0: When I first skyped with you. We immediately got into this idea of having keywords for your year. Mm -hmm. And you shared with me that you had two words that were the driving force behind Mm -hmm. 2019. I'm curious if you can share what those words were and why you theme your years this way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my two words this year are service and surprise. And I basically wanted to surprise myself in all the ways that I can serve others. Um, Mm. I remember being in Jamaica last November and like that was the first time my blog hit six figures. And that was, uh, yeah, well, I never really dreamed past that. So when you reach a goal that you never dreamed past, you're like, Wait, why don't I feel the way that I thought I should feel? And I had this mm. like moment of like this three week depression. I'm in Jamaica. I have this gorgeous Airbnb on the on the on the beach, but I'm like and I and I see the revenue market and I'm like I I don't feel how I thought I was supposed to feel and mm. I go into this moment of just kind of like again isolation and just like soul searching like what what am I missing right. what have I not done in. <laughs> and I realized there's so many other people that wish they could be where I was that I'm not helping and I'm like all of this means nothing if mm. I can't bring people with me and mm. so I'm like Lo, you need to create products you need to start creating services that help people get to where you want to be mm. um, because that and, and you start thinking more when you enter your 30s because I'm 29 now I turned 30 um, in March mm. and I was like you start thinking about legacy more. And I'm like, what do I want my legacy to be? Because yeah. you can build all this like fame and wealth for yourself, but right. it means nothing if you don't
0: find a way to help others. That part. Legacy. And all of this means nothing if I can't bring people with me. Yes, aren't we all getting a chance to see just how hyper-individualistic our American culture is and how sorely we pay for ignoring the interconnectedness of everything, for not taking a community-centered approach to wellness, opportunity, and living. We tend to amplify the positives of being an individual with a unique destiny, but there are so many negative repercussions to letting that dominate our entire existence and awareness and institutions. As you reflect, what do you think about your legacy? What kind of ancestor do you want to be? Who are your ancestors? What are the best things that have been passed down intergenerationally? And what are the worst? Glow and I dive into plenty more So check out her episode of Simplexity titled, Confessions of a Travel Blogger and Self-Made CEO. Also, she's a coach and author, and if you need help launching your business, definitely head to theblogabroad.com. Now, shifting into another realm of this conversation, which is the fact that we humans are born to bond and exist in relationship. And healthy relationships, including the one with ourselves, require vulnerability, intimacy, trust, all of which are difficult when we aren't honoring everyone's reality and experiences or creating safe and brave spaces to process and grow and communicate. Sexual expression, desire, and passion make it even more personal, and each of us have our own backstories and relationship histories that are influenced by upbringing, culture, life events, and so many elements. Shan Boodram and I got into all kinds of juicy discussions about our sex education system, dating and compatibility, finding your flirting and seduction styles, understanding polyamory, discovering your sexual identity, commitment issues, and more. But for now, I wanted to share a clip here that introduces the idea of how sex looks different across cultures. Take a listen. Speaking of kind of culture and and the dominant beliefs in our culture, what are they regarding sex and how does it vary in other cultures? Because I know there are benefits to cultures who are completely affirming of this sexual expression and then that repression is also super unhealthy in, in other ways.
2: Yeah, we live in an extreme dichotomized society, I think, Mm. in North America, wherein that, to your point, sex is so pushed in your face in Mm. the media. Um, And of course, porn is so accessible. And yet we have one of the worst sex education systems out there. Mm. And we have a culture of not talking to our parents, not talking to our elders about sexuality. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a consistent, it's the longest, sex education is the longest running bad joke, right? right? It's just. However, we continue to up the stakes in our visual visual depiction of it. And so people are put in this bizarre position of like trying to drastically under sexualize themselves when it comes to their family, their personal life like Mm -hmm. their foundation and extremely over sexualize themselves when it comes to like their peer to peer Mm -hmm. interactions. And it confuses people about what their middle ground is. One of the coolest things we did when I was in school is we studied the correlation between porn and a society's attitude towards sex. In America, for example, our pornography is so exaggerated. Mm -hmm. It's just so far from our own actual experience because we are still uncomfortable with ourselves as sexual beings. And so when we watch sex happen, it has to be people that don't remind us of ourselves. Mm. Whereas in somewhere like Thailand, for example, where the sexual attitudes are really peaceful, it's accepted as a normal part of life, a normal part of healthy development. Their porn just looks like everyday people.
0: Looks Mm. like the average
2: person just doing it on a Tuesday night, you know? So that I think is interesting from a standpoint of the extremes that we exist in and our lack of comfort in still seeing ourselves
0: as valid sexual individuals. So to pause and reflect for a second, how much do you know about other cultural norms outside your own? How much do you know about the customs and beliefs around sexuality, sexual expression, and identities across other cultures? How could being culturally incompetent and unaware lead to problems in society, policy, and even your personal relationships? Shan gave further insight into the process of finding our own sexual identity and expression, which I wanted to add here.
2: I think a big part of it is like you've got to get to the real base of knowing yourself and then mm-hmm. developing the language to explain that self to others. Which will involve orientation. Inevitably. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are cisgendered, monogamous, um, Christian based, mm-hmm. you don't have to do a lot of the work because the media does that for you. School mm-hmm. does that for you. They give you the basic tools to define what it is you're looking for, what honors you and makes you feel happy and healthy mm-hmm. and loved and ultimately puts you in a position to love others with the same yeah. um, things in mind. For everybody else there's a lot of figuring it out on your own so the first step i think for people is like with school for example we spent 18 years trying everything in low risk environments with the help of guidance Hmm. and of course with little reproduction repercussions if we get it wrong Mm -hmm. other than like an f on a test right um, and then you, through those eighteen years, you're like, okay, here's what feels good for me. Here's what doesn't. Here's where I excel. Here's where I notice I have to work on myself. Mm. But when it comes to sex, love, and relationships, we don't do any of that. Right. We just say, go trial by error, figure it out. Right. And when people keep crashing and burning and not finding themselves feeling celebrated in their connections, we don't have tools for them to step back and say, okay, well, let's assess where you actually should be positioning yourself. Right. It's like it, being a doctor on day one.
0: Right. Right that was such a helpful point for me to remember that the dominant culture of any place, which here in the U.S. would be straight, Christian, monogamous, white, ends up informing the way sexuality, sex, the body, relationships, marriage, intimacy, and such are viewed. And anyone outside these identifiers may find the process of self-discovery really confusing and disheartening, given the lack of Materials and positive representation or outcomes. So, bringing that into our current conversations, how might we increase our compassion for people who are not only different from us, but maybe facing, on average, greater challenges in terms of their authentic identity? I mean, really? And what does advocating for them with your voice look like or sound like? Shan is a wonderful expert you can lean on, so be sure to check out her book, The Game of Desire, and follow her at Shan Booty on Instagram. Our episode on simplexity is the first and only episode that starts with the word sex, so you can't miss it. Now the final theme I want to bring up today is the demand for each of us to find our voice and use it. Silence is not an option, but your literal voice and proverbial voice, the one that is broadcast to the world and reflects who you are and what you stand for, are muscles that need strengthening and maintaining. Beyond that, every voice resonates differently. Resonance referring to the volume amplification and intensification of sound also did you know when you whisper your vocal cords are strained and not coming together healthfully which can cause fatigue and damage how's that for a metaphor about using our voices Many of us, for our own reasons, have been whispering in life. We have not learned how to speak up for ourselves or others, to speak out against injustice, to stand firm in who we are, and change the world with every fiber of our being. So to this, India gave some tips and tricks in how she approaches difficult high notes, as well as metaphorical roadblocks and fears in life.
3: Each voice is their own, its own. And so only you know how it feels, only you know when it's strained, and only you know when to stop. And you owe it to yourself when you're singing and in your daily life to know your boundaries. Um, And especially if it's a high note like your example, if it hurts, something's wrong. I was talking to my mom the other day, and she was like, yeah, when you you were a kid and you'd cry about something— It was because something was actually wrong. You weren't just this emotional kid who was just crying about everything. Something was actually wrong. And I started to analyze that in my life now, just like I still don't cry like that. But if I do, it's because something is wrong. So when something is wrong, what do you do to adjust? And there are different ways. um, But I think the key word is just adjust and, and don't feel shame in having to. But even with my students, I mean, ranges are all different. And it takes sometimes, maybe not a lifetime, but the voice matures as you do. So it takes time to overcome those areas. So adjust. And that's when I learned that it's okay to, for example, change the key.
0: Change the key. What if we need to change the key we've been singing in? Not just to make it more comfortable, but to accomplish a new goal. Your voice is a tool and silence isn't an option. For India, she honed this skill into a craft that now helps others find themselves in her music. Here she is talking briefly about bearing her soul in order to find a shared catharsis and freedom with listeners.
3: I think when I learned that my frustration, my my fight is not my own, meaning there everybody else is going through the same thing. Mm. So so me, I, I started writing music as an outlet just to get my feelings out, but when I understood that other people are feeling those feelings, it gave me a lot more confidence to share it because perhaps somebody else is going through the same thing. Mm. Um, I have a video out of God Forbid, and after it came out, I got so many messages about, you have no idea that this is exactly what I'm going through.
4: Mm.
3: And that's why music is so beautiful. Even Even for the instrumental pieces that have no words, you can still feel emotion through that. Yeah.
0: We get into all the nooks and crannies of the voice, so definitely be sure to check out her episode titled Finding and Using Your True Voice. Of course, it'd be a huge disservice not to showcase her incredible gift right here, so I invite you to listen to her honesty as she performs, feel what you feel, and ask yourself, what would it mean for you to enter this level of honesty with your voice?
3: This one's called "God Forbid," and I'm working on a record of mm. it that should come out at some point this year. So
0: yes. we'll be looking out.
3: Thanks, girl. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Two clicks and a. Minute too many wish I hadn't been I'm stuck here scrolling through and I know she's nearly to it She won't know she broke me down
0: my friends, brings us to a close for this week. I know this is a time of stretching. I know it is exhausting. I know it is scary. I know it is so many things I will never fully understand, including your experience. But I want us as the Simplexity community to continue venturing into these spaces and having those meaningful, sometimes difficult conversations. Instead of weekly mantras, I'm going to repeat questions I've asked throughout the episode. So take some time to reflect and please share your responses. Share this episode on IG and tag me at Alison Stoner and at Simplexity Podcast. First, what is my legacy? is my legacy. Second, how could being culturally incompetent and unaware lead to problems in society, policy, and even my personal relationships? How could being culturally incompetent and unaware lead to problems in society, policy, and even my personal relationships. And three, where in my life have I been whispering? And how will I use my voice as a tool to shape the world? Where in my life have I been whispering? And how will I use my voice as a tool to shape the world? Thank you for listening. Be sure to share this with everybody (laughs) and give it a like, give it a comment. Please do subscribe if you haven't already and leave a quick review. Um, I appreciate your support and I look forward to bringing you more next week on Simplexity. It's anything but small talk. Peace.